Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 36 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, and in the place to be. Surprise, folks, Thursday episode. Um, I have, it's, it's funny, I, there's just so much I wanted to talk about this week, and um, I just didn't want to sit on it anymore. I just couldn't wait until Friday. Um, I wanted to... Instead of you know recapping some stuff, I wanted to preview some stuff. I thought it would make more sense to do things that way this week. Um, I just had so much stuff to talk about that um, I'm just going to come right out with it and release you a surprise Thursday episode for you guys this week. Um, hope you're having a good week so far. Um, I'm having a good one. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about where I've, I've been exploring this week. Uh, Monday, I went for... Uh, a nice long walk in uh, D.C., uh, starting off in the Petworth neighborhood of Washington, D.C., worked my way down through Columbia Heights, then down onto U Street, and then um, on my way over, and then I decided to keep walking down towards like the Farragut Square area near the White House and um, all that. Um, really nice walk. Um, I ended up at the Metro Center, that area in D.C., and um, kind of a funny story. I was... Um, I think you guys know, um, for those of you who know me, I'm a bit of a, a metro nerd, or not even just metro, just like subway systems. I've always been kind of like obsessed with like trains and subway systems and in kind of a weird way. Um, and so I got on the, the metro um, uh, to go home, and um, the train the train that pulls up, uh, half of the cars on the train don't have lights on, and it's like really creepy. There are people sitting in the darkness on this train. And, uh, this one woman gets off the train and, uh, she just looks at me and I'm like, I'm like, my eyes are like all wide. I'm like, uh, I'm not getting on this creepy, creepy ass dark train. And, um, this, this woman just, she just like turns around, she gets off the train she turns around to me and she says, yeah, that was creepy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for the next train. So I didn't get on the ghost train. Uh, but I had a good day of walking that day. Uh, yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I had a nice long walk through, through Rockville, Maryland, um, up up Rockville Pike from the, the Pike and Rose area down in the, that area, the North Bethesda, P- Rockville Pike area. It's kind of a funny local thing. You know, people always call that area. I, I know I'm kind of talking about like local DC stuff now to start off the show, kind of a random start to the show, but... Uh, People always call that area, uh, they always call it um, the North Bethesda, but it's really just Rockville. Like, I don't know why they, they call it, Nor- they need to slap a North Bethesda label on it. Like, just call it Rockville. Like, it is what it is. So I walked from that area all the way up to downtown Rockville. It was a good day. Another good day of walking. Another 20,000 step day. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I've been, you know, doing, those are just, those are walks, like the walks that I just explained, those are walks I do like every week, multiple times a week. Like, I love, like, walking around those parts. So, um, it's been a good week so far. And it's been a good sports week, too. Um, we're getting closer to opening day for Major League Baseball. I have some baseball stories in the outro that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, the NBA and the NHL are just rolling right along. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Um, the NHL is just chugging along. Uh, first, first time, uh... The Canada division was cruising right along. Um, I, I another story I just wanted to talk about that might, I might not get to mention in the rest of the show, but the Canada division in the NHL was cruising right along this year. 
with no COVID problems whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere this week, the Canada division in the NHL it gets hit with COVID. So, yeah, that that's the first, final. So it's not over. We're definitely not over with COVID, despite all the, the vaccinations and all that. We're, we're still still dealing with it here. Um, so, yeah, basically the show, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament uh, next. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about the, the Sweet 16. We're going to recap the first two rounds, some of my favorite games from the first two rounds. Um, we're going to talk about the bracket challenge. Uh, I will tell you who's winning the bracket challenge. I'll give you the top 10. I'll give you the top 10 of the bracket challenge entering the Sweet 16. Uh, some of them, I'll be honest, some of the people in the top 10 are in the top 10, but they don't have a chance to win because their champion's already been knocked out. I'll give an example. Arun Bhattacharya, I believe, is in second place in the bracket challenge, but he doesn't have a chance to win because he picked Illinois to win it all, and they've already been eliminated. So uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that in the top 10. But we'll go through all that, and then I'm, I'm going to introduce a new segment for you guys this week called How My Teams Did This Week. I was inspired by my good friend, Michael Edgley. I would like to give a shout-out to... Big Mike, Michael Edgley, um, on his podcast, I love the way Mike recaps the Wizards games. I think it's great. So I'm going to do a small, I'm not going to do it as in-depth as Mike is, but I'm going to talk about what basically happened this week for the Knicks and what happened for the Rangers, maybe a little bit about Yankee spring training. I'm just going to talk about the teams that I root for and how they're doing this week. So that's going to be a new segment. And then, of course, you know what, you know how we end the show, folks got the outro and the outro is fire the outro will always be fire and you are gonna bring it on today's outro it's gonna be a great the reason the main reason i want to record is because i have a huge list of things i want to talk about in today's outro so let's just jump right into it folks i've been rambling on this intro for long enough talking about my walking which none of you care about honestly you know i'll be honest do any of you really care about my walking probably not honestly it's probably not that interesting to you. It's just a boring personal life that I like to talk about on my podcast. But um, I've been, you know, I don't need to talk about it for that long. Uh, let's just jump right into today's episode as we break down the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and preview the Sweet 16. Here we go. All right, folks, so where should we begin when we recap the NCAA tournament? Should we begin with the bracket challenge, or should we begin with the actual tournament and some of the games that happened in the first two rounds? Hmm, let's see. I say we start with the first two rounds. Uh, I'm just pulling out my bracket now, so just give me one second. I probably should have done this before I started talking, but hey, what what the hell? Uh, Why not? Uh, So let's talk about um, some of the games in the first few rounds, uh, I'm looking at the West region now. I'm just going to go through it. Gonzaga destroyed Norfolk State 98-55. to Not much to talk about there. Oklahoma-Missouri was a pretty close game, but Oklahoma advanced. Uh, I got that one right in the bracket challenge. Shout out to me. <laughs> I don't want to brag on myself. Uh, Creighton-UCSB was a great game. It came right down to the wire. It came down to the last shot, but Creighton held on uh, They for the one-point victory. Um, that was a good game too. Um, 
Then this was the first upset, the first real upset of the tournament. Uh, Virginia and Ohio. Uh, Ohio, out of nowhere, um, a 13 seed over the four Virginia. Virginia technically still the defending national champions, too, not to mention. Um, so now, now it's kind of interesting. Virginia had the loss to U, um, UMBC uh, two years ago, and then they won the national champ or three years ago now, I guess, and then they won the national championship. And uh, now they have this loss sandwiched with that. Um, and so, yeah, not it's U, UVA has not had uh, at you know, despite this their national championship, they've still had some disappointing exits in the NCAA tournament. And uh, this was another example of that. So shout out to the Ohio Bobcats. Um, I was reading about one of their players. Um, he seemed like a really interesting story. I can't remember his name. Uh, maybe somebody will hear this and they'll be able to give me his name. But um, this player for Ohio, he, um, he in high school, he decided he wanted to play for the C team so he could get more noticed. And he ends up putting his recruiting tape on YouTube and Ohio notices it and Ohio gives him a scholarship. And now he, here he is getting Ohio into the next round of the NCAA tournament. So um, yeah, congratulations to Ohio on beating Virginia. Um, I I thought that was definitely one of the upsets I did not see coming. Uh, I picked UVA and um, congratulations to Ohio again. Uh, USC pretty much cruised over Drake 72 to 56 in the first round. And then Kansas over Eastern Washington. Uh, I watched a little bit of this game. This was actually pretty close for a while. Eastern Washington did a good job. Uh, I'll give credit to Eastern Washington um, because, you know, they hung tough with Kansas. And they, you know, these dudes for Eastern Washington, they just screamed like Eastern Washington. They just screamed Pacific Northwest. They look like lumberjacks, man. Like with some of their facial hair, some of their beards. Uh, I, w- I was kind of like, when I saw those guys, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm rooting for Eastern Washington now. And they, they were doing good for a while. Um, but ultimately, they, um, they, they could not, hold, you know, they just couldn't hold on. Kansas was just too strong. And uh, they ended up winning. And um, moving on to the next round, um, I mean, Kansas is just, you know, powerhouse program. Um, and then the next game in this bracket, the 7-10 matchup, Oregon VCU, uh, was postponed uh, because VCU had COVID issues and um, VCU had to um, leave the tournament and Oregon got to move on despite not playing a game. And, um, you know, this is, this is something we all could have honestly seen coming, honestly. I mean, with the way COVID has affected the sports world and especially college sports over the last year or so. I mean, honestly, we could have seen this coming. Uh, a game getting postponed in the NCAA tournament, a, a non-play enabling one school to move on and another school to go home without even playing a game. We could have totally seen that coming. Honestly, we, we could have definitely seen that coming. In, in this, this era of 2020, 2021, where anything can happen, I guess that's not the most, you know, made-up thing. The only sport, I was actually talking to my friend Tim Clark about this uh, the other day, the only sport that seems to be immune from postponements in these times of COVID is the NFL. Every other sport has had to deal with postponements. Major League Baseball has had to deal with postponements. NBA has had to deal with postponements. NHL has had to deal with postponements. College basketball, college football, all had to deal with postponements. 
college basketballs had to deal with shutdowns for months. Like Rick Pitino's Iona team had to be shut down for, I think he said, 51 days. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that COVID affected the NCAA tournament. And um, I don't even know if I should say congratulations to Oregon non-advancing because they didn't even play a game. Like they, they didn't even play a game. So why, why should I even, honestly, why should I even comment on, on congratulate them on advancing? Um, and then Iowa beat uh, Grand Canyon. Uh, I mentioned Grand Canyon and all their commercials. They do a good job of advertising their school. But Iowa, Garza is just a great player. Um, I was bummed to see his career end in the next game we'll talk about. But uh, Garza's a great player. And, um, yeah, they beat Grand Canyon 86-74. to And then um, Oregon-Iowa, the next matchup in the round of 32 – uh, so now we're into the second round here in this bracket. Uh, I was shocked, man. Oregon crushed Iowa. Oregon must have been ready to go because of the fact that they didn't play their first game in the tournament. And um, I honestly didn't even pick. I picked VCU to beat Oregon in that first round game, the one that wasn't even played. And Oregon, a very impressive effort. Uh, it sucks for Garza. He had a great career. Uh, it's a bummer it has to end. But... Um, Congratulations to Oregon. A great win for them. And then another Pac-12 school advanced. USC destroyed Kansas. That game wasn't even close. 85-51. to USC knocked Kansas out in a big way. A big time way for USC. And now USC is looking like a dark horse. And it sets up a Pac-12 matchup in the next round. This Sunday, I'm looking at it now, it's Sunday, that game. USC versus Oregon. That is going to be one hell of a Pac-12 showdown. Uh, And then also in the round of 32 in this bracket, Creighton over Ohio. Uh, Sorry to see Ohio go. Like I said, I kind of like their story a little bit. Uh, So I was a little bummed to see Ohio leave the tournament. And Gonzaga pretty much manhandled Oklahoma 87-71. So your matchups in the Sweet 16 from this bracket are Gonzaga versus Creighton, the 1-5 matchup. That game is Sunday at 2-10 on CBS. And the already mentioned USC versus Oregon matchup is at 9-45 on TBS on Sunday. Uh, it's a good, that's good that they have that game on for the West Coast people at the West Coast time. Um, I'm going to stick with Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's going to keep it going. I think Gonzaga's going to beat Creighton. I think they're still the best team. And now that it's USC versus Oregon, I really like that you know, both teams really put a whooping on their opponents. Uh, Iowa and Kansas uh, in the round of 32. So this is a tough one to pick, but I'm going to go with USC. I'm going to pick USC in this one. Uh, I think that's going to be a good game, and I think USC will move on to the... It's tough, but you know, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. None of us know what we're doing this year with college basketball. None of us saw any college basketball. I, I, all, we've all admitted we did not see any college basketball. All right, on to the East region. Uh, Michigan pretty much destroyed Texas Southern, 82-66. to LSU up beat St. Bonaventure, 76-61 to in the 8-9 matchup. I got that one wrong. I got this one hopelessly wrong, too. Colorado destroyed Georgetown. 96 to 73. Wasn't even close on that one. Uh, Florida State over UNC Greensboro. Uh, shout out to Greensboro. They put up a good effort in this game. But um, 
Florida ultimately ended up winning by 10 points. Um, UCLA has been a good story so far in this tournament. Uh, they beat Michigan State in the, in the first four uh, to get into this situation. They had to go to overtime, uh, but they won that game. And then they beat BYU, too, uh, in a pretty convincing 11-point victory, 73-62. to 62. Uh, And then we had um, the upset, one of the big upsets of the tournament so far. Uh, a one-point victory for Albaline Christian over Texas. Now, I had Texas in my final four, so this was a crushing blow to my bracket challenge uh, chances. But I love upsets as well. So uh, this wasn't the worst thing in the world that Albaline Christian upset Texas because, hey, upsets are awesome. So congratulations to them. This really puts their school on the map. Um, even if they didn't win their next game against UCLA, which we'll talk about in a, a minute. Um, but congratulations to Albaline Christian on a huge upset, monumental win for their school. Uh, the UConn-Maryland matchup, which um, I had mentioned was deeply personal to me as a guy who lived in Connecticut, considers himself a UConn fan, but also has a lot of friends who went to the University of Maryland, a lot of friends who consider themselves University of Maryland fans, a lot of people I just like who went to the University of Maryland. Peter Rosenberg went to the University of Maryland. Jim Henson went to the University of Maryland. Scott Van Pelt went to the University of Maryland. People I really like and look up to went to the University of Maryland. So I respect and love the University of Maryland, um, even though I was rooting for UConn in this game. Um... I, I picked UConn to win, uh, but Maryland's defense was great. Uh, Maryland's defense was really stifling in this game. It really shut the Huskies down. Not that Maryland was great offensively or anything, but really a, a great defensive effort from the Terps, uh, and that got them into the next round uh, against uh, against Alabama, who uh, beat up Iona 68-55. Iona hung tough. I'll give Rick Pitino a lot of credit. I mentioned uh, last episode that I've heard him on the Michael K show. Uh, he actually appeared on the Michael K show again this week, uh, kind of a, a post-mortem on his season. Uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, it was really cool to hear Rick Pitino on the Michael K show. I mean, he's, you know, despite his uh, shady history, one of the great coaches in the history of college basketball. Um, but, yeah, they his, his Iona team hung tough with uh, Alabama, but Alabama – uh, Charlie Furtillo's tied. Move on to the next round. Uh, so let's start with that Maryland Alabama game. Um, not even really close, honestly. Uh, I was surprised, and I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how great Alabama played in that game. I mentioned Peter Rosenberg. He's a UMD grad. He was talking about how that Alabama offense was unlike anything the Terps had seen all season. And that's something that kind of um, it kind of goes back to you know what we've been talking about this whole tournament. A lot of us haven't, a lot, a lot of teams haven't seen the other teams and what kind of like systems and types of college basketball you need to prepare for. So, of course, teams are coming in, you know, not really sure what to prepare for, like Maryland against Alabama. But Alabama pretty much manhandled the Terps in this one and move on to the Sweet Sixteen. Hey, Charlie Ferrillo. Roll Tide, my man. Charlie Ferrillo will be on an upcoming episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later towards the end, but uh, looking forward to that, obviously. I, haven't, I cannot believe I haven't had Charlie on the podcast yet. I, I really can't believe it. 
but um, he'll be on soon. Uh, UCLA beat Abilene Christian 67 to 47, ending their Cinderella story. Uh, but Cinderella story for UCLA rolls on. They're an 11 seed. Uh, Florida State destroyed Colorado after Colorado beat Georgetown 71 to 53. And um, Michigan LSU was a pretty good game, pretty close for a while, but Michigan um, pulled away at the end and um, ultimately held on for the win, an 86-78 victory for the Michigan Wolverines. We'll move on to play Florida State in the Sweet 16. And in the other Sweet 16 matchup, we have UCLA versus Alabama. So I'm going to go with Alabama in that one. I'm liking their story. I'm liking the momentum from the Crimson Tide. Uh, I'm liking the success they've had so far in this tournament. Um, they've just looked like a really good team. I like. I even, you know, I watched them a little bit in the SEC tournament too. I watched their game against LSU, the championship game. It went to overtime, but Alabama was really good in that game, and I've been taking notice since then. I think they're going to win this game. So Charlie Ferrillo, I said it. I said it a minute ago. I'll say it again, my dude. Roll Tide, Roll Tide, Roll Tide. Um, okay, I'll stop saying it now. Um, all right, so uh, Michigan, Florida State. Uh, I give me the Wolverines. Give me the Wolverines. I'm like, you know, now that my bracket is completely screwed on this on this bracket, uh, give me the Wolverines. Uh, give me Juwan Howard taking his alma mater to the Final Four. Uh, why not? Uh, at this point, why the hell not? Uh, I'll go with the Wolverines. The big, the big Ten has done so bad in this tournament. By the way, every. every School in the Big... I think Michigan's pretty much carrying the flag for the Big Ten at this point. I think um, this is it for for the Big Ten. Michigan, there might be somebody else. I'll look at the other brackets. But um, the Big Ten did not do so well. Ohio State had a pretty terrible upset loss that uh, none of us saw coming. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, Iowa, we mentioned that they, they lost. Um, um, you know, Maryland's out, Rutgers is out, um, yeah, so it hasn't been the best tournament for the Big Ten, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the South region next. Alright, in the South bracket, we had, no surprise here, the number one seed Baylor defeating the number 16 seed Hartford Hawks, 79-55, to dominating effort for Baylor. The, this one I got wrong, the 8-9 matchup, Wisconsin dominated UNC, I watched this game, very surprising, Wisconsin destroyed the Tar Heels from start to finish, from post to pillar in this game. Uh, a real dominating effort from Wisco. Um, and uh, I got this one wrong. I got this one wrong. I'll have to admit, I got this one wrong in the bracket challenge. Shout out to Arun Bhattacharya and the Villanova Wildcats for winning 73-63 to over Winthrop. Uh, giving us, doing us a solid, uh, doing us, us high point Panther fans. A solid there. Uh, so we thank Villanova. Um, I know people are going to kind of be like, oh, it would be good for your conference if if Winthrop actually won. Like, look, after all the damage Winthrop has done for me as a High Point fan, I can't root for that school. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't root for Winthrop. I can't, I can't do it. So uh, I very much appreciate the efforts of Villanova in this game. Uh, North Texas, surprise Purdue. Really, I was. This game wasn't even that close, honestly. North Texas won seventy-eight to sixty-nine. Um, surprising uh, win from North Texas. Um, the the meat. I think they're the mean green, right? That's the mean green. 
Uh, yeah, the, the, the Mean Green of North Texas. That's one of my favorite nicknames for sure. Uh, so congratulations to them. We got another Texas school. Uh, Texas Tech beat uh, Utah State 65-53. to uh, Arkansas beat Colgate 85-68. to Pretty easy victory for them. Uh, good game. Florida uh, over Virginia Tech 75-70. to uh, got that one right in the bracket challenge. And then, then there was this one, the one I said we were going to talk about just a few minutes ago, uh, the upset of the tournament so far, the surprise story of the tournament so far, Oral Roberts over Ohio State in a great, very close game. Did not. I was just like, I was so surprised. I was like, Oral Roberts? I, I was like, I was stunned when they won that game. I was so happy. Like I love Cinderella stories. I'm, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't have Ohio State going too far. I only had them going to the Elite Eight. I didn't have them going to the Final Four or anything in my bracket challenge. I know a lot of people uh, had them going a lot further than that. Uh, but this was definitely the surprise of the tournament. I had never heard of Oral Roberts University or college or whatever the hell it's called uh, before this NCAA tournament. But... Um, it sounds like it's um, it's in Oklahoma, very Bible belty school, um, and um, that's pretty much all I know about it. And I know they're good at basketball. Uh, clearly, an underestimated 15 seed this year because not only did they beat Ohio State, they beat Florida in their next game too. In a pretty good game too. That was a a pretty good game. It came down to the wire, but Oral Roberts held on and won 81 to 78. Over Florida, the Oral Roberts story moves on into the Sweet 16. I think they're only the second or maybe third 15 seed to move into the Sweet 16. So this is a Cinderella story of all Cinderellas. I mean, we've only had one 16 seed advance past the round of 64. And we've only had a handful of 15 seeds. I think maybe like seven or eight 15 seeds advance in the NCAA tournament at all. Oral Roberts is a great story. I'm, I'm hey, look, I, I know they're they're probably all like a super conservative school, I, but hey, I like underdogs, so uh, hey, why not? Uh, then uh, I didn't see this game, so I can't really comment a whole lot on it. But it sounds like it's really good. Uh, Arkansas beat uh, Texas Tech sixty-eight to sixty-six. I wish I saw that game. Uh, I didn't, unfortunately. Um, Arkansas moves on. Arkansas is having a good season this year. Another SEC school doing well um, in this tournament. And um, Villanova ended the North Texas Cinderella story pretty easily, 84-61. to uh, And then Baylor uh, knocked off Wisconsin with relative ease, 76-63, to setting up uh, Baylor versus Villanova. That game is on Saturday at 5-15 on CBS. And uh, Arkansas versus Oral Roberts is the 315 matchup. Uh, sorry, that's the three seed versus the 15 seed. That game's at 725, not 315. Not 315 in the afternoon. It's a three seed versus a 15 seed. Who do I think is going to win those games? Uh, sorry, Arun. You know, actually, we talked about this already on Sports on the Hill, uh, oddly enough. Um, I said that uh, I are actually I already apologized to Arun for picking Baylor, but uh, I'll apologize again to my friend Arun Bhattacharya for uh, picking Baylor over his Villanova Wildcats. 
And uh, sorry to Oral Roberts. As well. Man, I just apologize too much. Man, this is a problem I've had my entire life. I just cannot stop apologizing. Uh, we'll, we'll investigate that another time. But uh, no, Oral Roberts' Cinderella story is going to come to an end here. Arkansas is going to win, setting up a Baylor-Arkansas matchup in uh, the next round, in the, the uh, Elite Eight. Uh, and then in the Midwest bracket, um, just recapping the first couple of games here, uh, Illinois destroyed Drexel 78-49. Loyola Chicago uh, beat Georgia Tech. You know, Loyola Chicago does it again. Oregon State over Tennessee was a bit of a surprise. Uh, but I guess Oregon State won the Pac-12, so I guess that's not too surprising. But they are a 12 seed, and this Tennessee was a 5. Either way, Oregon State won 70-56. to um, Oklahoma beat Liberty 69-60. to uh, Goodbye, Liberty. Uh, you, know, I remember, you guys remember how I feel about Liberty. Uh, not a fan of them at all. Uh, from everything from their athletic department to what that school stands for, uh, I cannot stand Liberty University. Um, it was it was like I, I would have liked them even if they weren't in our conference. Honestly, I just hate Liberty. Uh, at San Diego State, Syracuse, uh, Syracuse won pretty easily. Syracuse was an 11 seed. I think that's another bad seeding job because Syracuse is now in the Sweet 16 as well. Um, and then uh, West Virginia beat Moorhead State 84-67. Rutgers, uh, shout out to Rutgers. Uh, this was a pretty good game against Clemson. I watched a little bit of this. Um, Rutgers had a, a good win, uh, their first win in NCAA tournament win in a long time. And uh, Houston beat Cleveland State 87 to 56. Then in the next round, uh, the Rutgers uh, Houston game came right down to the wire. Uh, it's heartbreaking for Rutgers to lose, come so close, but um, to come up just short in this game. Uh, it's got to be tough for the kids, but um, Houston wins 63 to 60 to move on to the Sweet 16. Syracuse, and that was a good game. Buddy Bayheim is doing some great stuff. Like, look, I thought like he was just going to be like, when I heard that Jim Bayheim's kid was on the Syracuse team, I was like, this is probably just going to be like a typical teacher's pet type kid, uh, you know, you know, you know the lackey coach's son, um, that type of kid. But Buddy Beheim actually appears to be a very good player. He actually appears to be a good player in his own right. And he was very good against West Virginia. He was very good in the first round, too, against San Diego State. Buddy Beheim's killing it right now. Buddy Beheim has been one of the stars of the tournament, for sure, for any team. He's been an absolute beast. Uh, so Syracuse... Um, moves on against West Virginia. Um, a great effort from um, from Buddy Beheim, like I said. And uh, you know, I heard Beheim. I heard Jim Beheim on um, the Michael K show too. Um, it was really cool to hear um, one of the coaching legends. Uh, I, I, you know, it was just he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I, I don't like Syracuse. I will say, you know, as a UConn fan, I don't like Syracuse very much. But um, I will give Jim Beheim his, his due. I will give Jim Beheim his credit. And um, you know what? I, I just He's a legend. He's a legend. Um, so I didn't see much of the Oregon State-Oklahoma State game, but Oregon State won 80-70. to uh, I did see a good amount of the Loyola-Chicago-Illinois um, game. Uh, 
a great effort from Loyola Chicago. Very surprising. Um, they've their defense absolutely stifled Illinois. Um, I watched pretty much this whole game. Um, it, was, it, was, it was great. A great effort from Loyola Chicago. Um, now I would say that's the school I'm rooting for. I want them to do well. I love Sister Jean. Um, I, I love you know she's 101 years old at the NCAA tournament, fully vaccinated. Awesome to see. Uh, shout out to Sister Jean. Um, and I wanted to give a shout. Tim Clark actually told me the other day, and I mentioned this on Sports on the Hill too, um, that Sister Jean is apparently living independently in Chicago at age 101. She doesn't live in like one of those happy Gilmore retirement homes. She lives in her own apartment, apparently. That is awesome. That's really cool. (laughs) Congratulations to Sister Jean for still living independently at age 101. That is so cool. Um, So anyway, on to the um, the Sweet 16 matchups in uh, this bracket. Uh, I'm going to go with Loyola Chicago to beat Oregon State. Uh, I just think that they have the experience. They've been to the Final Four before. I think they're going to get it done. They are the higher seed. And uh, I think I'm going to pick Syracuse over Houston. Um, I, I, don't, you know, I don't really trust Houston from the AAC. Um, I, I just I think that's um, – I, I don't really like that conference. I'm glad UConn's now, no longer in that conference. I'm glad they're back in the Big East. Um, I just don't really trust that conference, honestly. Um, and um, I, I trust Syracuse a lot more. So I'm going to go with Loyola Chicago versus Syracuse in the Elite Eight. Uh, we will talk about that more next week. We'll talk more about the Final Four matchup. We'll preview the Final Four on uh, Monday's episode. That's right, Monday's episode. We're doing a Monday episode this week. It's going to come out a little bit later. It's not going to be like, you know, a midnight release or anything. That's another reason I kind of want to do an episode tonight is because I want to space it out a little bit because uh, we're doing two episodes next week. But there will be a Monday episode next week, and we'll be previewing the Final Four at some point during the final during um, during that episode. So um, my bracket challenge. Um, we've mentioned how a lot of people this year have not seen a lot of college basketball and um, – how a lot of people are going into this bracket challenge blind. But um, I have these standings for, uh, I'll give you the top 10. I'll give you the top 10, and I'll give you their how many points they have and how many points they're projected to have at this point. So in first place, we have Brian Rothamel. Um, he, uh, he went to high point. He's a former, he went to high point before I did. Um, he's just a good guy. He's a good guy. I, I know him through social media. Big Mets fan. Um, he's in first place. He hate me bracket is in first place. Forty three points. A poss- He's got a possible one hundred and fifty one. Arun Bhattacharya is in second place right now. Now Arun has forty one points, but unfortunately his projected number of points is only eighty nine. So Arun is not doing not gonna win this thing in all likelihood unless something goes horribly wrong Arun is not likely to win the bracket challenge this year I apologize to you Arun that that sucks James Hayes the second is in third um he's got 40 points he's got 148 possible points 
Um, so he's definitely got a chance to at, to, um, to to win this thing. Alan Mars uh, is in fourth place. Uh, his bracket name is 2021-2020. Um, I, I guess that means like 2021 and 2020 are pretty much the same thing. I mean, they pretty much are. We're just living one gigantic year at this point. Uh, Alan has 39 points and can get 139 points. So, uh, Brian, um, I don't know who this is. Um, it's not me. I, 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 I don't want to say it's me. It's not me. Um, the bracket's name is Bubble Ball. Uh, I asked all the possible Brians it could be, and uh, nobody has come forward with this. But Bubble Ball Brian has uh, 38 points and a possible 130. He's tied for fifth. With EJ, uh, shout out to EJ. EJ's Brad Brackett. Uh, they're tied for fifth. Uh, EJ only has uh, he has 38 points, but uh, he only has possible 74 points. Hang on, I just lost the standings. Here we go. Yeah, EJ only has 70 a possible 74 points, so it's not going to end well for EJ. Uh, then I'm in I'm in I'm in seventh. I'll be honest, I'm in seventh place. Uh, shout out to me, I guess, uh, for doing all right so far in this tournament. I can't look. I will be honest. I'm going to be a gracious. If I win the bracket challenge, it's my bracket challenge, and I'm going to be gracious. And if whoever comes in second will get the Amazon card and um, a spot on the podcast, because uh, obviously I should not be the one who wins the prize. But um, I am in seventh place. I have 37 points. Possible 129 points. Uh, Patrick's Grand Bracket um, is in seventh as well. We have four people tied for seventh. Actually, sorry, we have five people tied for seventh. Patrick's Grand Bracket could be my dad, could be Pat Honan, could be. I don't know who this is. I don't know who that who this is. Um, I don't know who Patrick's Grand Bracket is. Um, but he has 37 points and a possible 105, so he's possibly in this thing. Uh, we have a Justin in this bracket challenge. He's also tied for seventh. Um, it's, I don't know who this is. It's not my roommate because he spells his name differently from my roommate. He spells it the J-U-S-T-I-N way. Um, I'm not sure who this one is, but uh, he's got 37 points out of 97. Uh, the Stein Man, that's Pat Stein, my man Pat Stein. Uh, he is t- also tied for seventh. Uh, he's got 37 points, uh, and he's but he's only got possible 73. So uh, it's not going to end well for Pat and uh, Julia. I think that's Julia Coiro. Uh, I believe that's Julia Coiro. Um, she has 37 points, uh, and uh, she unfortunately also only has a possible 61. So it's not going to end well. So that is um, actually basically up until 12th. That's everybody. That's your top 12, basically, in the bracket challenge. Uh, so I apologize if your name was not called. But like I said, there's going to be a lot of movement because a lot of us don't have a chance. A lot of people, I mean, I, I still have a chance to win. But a lot of people don't have a chance to win. Like Arun is in second place, but the team he picked to win is already out. And same thing with like Pat and Julia. They're going to move, move, probably move down too, unfortunately, because their team they picked is already out, out of the tournament too. So uh, that is just my update on the bracket challenge. Uh, it's still up for grabs. We'll see who wins the Amazon card uh, and the guest spot on a pond for the review with Brian Brennan. Uh, but for now, we're going to move into a new segment. 
um, called, um, what did I, hang on, I had a good name for this segment, Uh, yeah, How My Teams Did This Week, that's the name of the segment, uh, where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some news for teams that I like, you know, specifically, you know, the Yankees, the Knicks, the Rangers, the Giants, we're just going to talk about teams that I like, we're going to talk a little bit about how some games went for some teams that I like. Uh, Here we go with the new segment. All right, folks, it's time for a new segment called How My Teams Did This Week. Like I said at the start of the episode, I was inspired by my good friend Michael Edgeley and his podcast, A DC Who Dat Way. Uh, I think the way Michael Edgeley describes uh, or recaps his team's games, uh, like the Wizards games, I think he does a really good job of that. Uh, so, And I realize that I just don't honestly talk about my team's as much as I should on my podcast. Yes, everybody knows I'm a huge Knicks fan and I'm a huge Rangers fan. But do I really talk about like every game they play on the podcast? No, but I usually watch pretty much every game they play. Uh, and I, I, yet, I don't really talk a ton about it uh, on the podcast. So um, I want to start with the Knicks. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Knicks and we'll talk a little bit about the Rangers. I want to go back to, um, we'll go as far back as, um, as, uh, the last episode was released. So, uh, a few days ago, uh, Thursday or so, the Knicks last game was against the Orlando Magic at that point. Um, and, um, it was a very stressful game, uh, very back and forth, um, the Knicks had it. It looked like the Knicks had it in the bag at one point. The Knicks had like a 15 point lead, but then they completely let it slip. And actually, Orlando ended up coming back to take the lead. Then the Knicks held on uh, at the very end. Um, they had a one point lead. Orlando was inbounding to try and take the lead or possibly win the game. But uh, Reggie Bullock, uh, Reggie Bullock with a great play uh, to steal the ball. And uh, they were able to run out the clock. And serve the victory for the win, save the victory for the Knicks. Uh, a great win. Uh, I was um, I was watching that game, the same place I'm wa- I'm recording this podcast right now, uh, sitting on my bed. And uh, my reaction was, uh, I screamed, "Let's go!" I was like fired up. I was like, "Let's go!" I was so amped after winning that game. Uh, it was very stressful. Very difficult game. A very difficult game for the Knicks. Uh, not the easiest game to go through for sure. Um, but uh, let's talk about some highlights from this game. Julius Randle was great again. Um, three triple-doubles now this season. This was his third triple-double this season. 18 points, 17 assists, and 10 rebounds to, I mean, another great effort from Julius. He's been great. He's been an all-star. Uh, he deserves it. For, I mean, he deserves to be an all-star of the season. He was um, a great night for him. Uh, Alec Burks had a good night. Uh, he had 21 points in 33 minutes. Uh, he does a good job. Alec Burks, you know, when when all of our point guards were out, and that was the difficult part of this game, actually, uh, was that Derrick Rose was out, Emmanuel Quickly was out, and Alfred Payton. They were all out of this game for the Knicks. So we had basically... No point guard debt. So a lot of the time, Alec Burks was running the point. And um, 
he he does he actually did a pretty good job. Uh, better than Frank. Um, Frank's honestly a little disappointing at times. Um, he had, did have 13 points in this game. I will say that. Uh, and R.J. Barrett had another nice game. Uh, 17 points. Uh, and Reggie Bullock. Uh, Reggie Bullock. Uh, that's that's how I that's how I say it sometimes. I'm just like Reggie Bullock. Uh, he has a 20 point. He had 20 points in this game, and like I said, the game ceiling steal for the Knicks. Uh, so stressful win, um, but I'll take it. You know what? I will take the wins. We should win. We should be beating these teams, like these under 500 teams. Like these are the games we should be winning. Um, and so, uh, yes, I was very happy to win that game against the Magic, even if it was stressful. So followed up that one point win. On Sunday, with a one-point loss to the Philadelphia 76ers, a very frustrating game um, in which, uh, you know, bad officiating. I'll just say that. Bad, bad officiating in this game uh, really cost the Knicks. Uh, I'm just even watching. I'm, I mean, just bad, bad officiating. I, I, I just... I'm, spe- I'm speechless. I, how I, I'm, I'm watching the, the Knicks had the lead, and uh, they called the foul, and uh, I just I don't see it. I don't I don't see it at all. I, I I thought this was a terrible call. Where is the foul? Like that's what I screamed when I saw when this, this play happened. I'm like, where is the foul? And 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 obviously cost the Knicks the game, and. Um, and then they had they did have a chance to win the game. They had a, they did drive. Julius Randle put up the shot, and um, where's the? Fa- I'm looking at it again. I'm watching the video again. That's why I was speechless because I was watching the video again on on the foul. Where it's just it's man. And the Knicks had a chance. The Knicks definitely had they had their chance. Julius Randle put up a shot and it rimmed out. It's a frustrating loss. It left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I gotta give you a shout out to my friend um, Sam Carr. Uh, he's a big Knicks fan. He's one of the biggest Knicks fans alive, alive. And we just texted each other. Sorry for the profanity that's about to come up, but Sam and I were just texting each other after this game. Fuck. And then he texted me back like, "Fuck." And I was like, "Yeah, dude." I was like, "Shit. What a bad loss." That's a couple of bad losses in a row. That's, you know, the game against Brooklyn uh, last week. I don't blame Julius Randle for getting pissed. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, yeah, it's going to cost him a little bit. It's going fi- to get fined a little bit for speaking his mind. But I don't blame Julius Randle for getting pissed, for getting upset. Probably the... Uh, it's... it's I'm still speechless. I, I I still can't get over the ending to this game. I was still so mad at. I'm still so mad at the end of this game. So this this is this loss left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Everyone's mouth. The Knicks fans, the Knicks players, Knicks broadcasters, Mike Breen and Clyde. Everybody had a bad taste in their mouth after that game. So when I went on Sports on the Hill. The DC Sports Podcast I go on every Monday. When I went on them on Monday, I told the guys that I expected the Knicks to win the next game against the Washington Wizards. 
pretty easily, honestly. I said I thought we'd come out angry because of what happened in the Sixers game. And I was right. The Knicks did come out angry. The Knicks came out on fire. They scored 39 points in the first quarter against the Wizards. And put the hammer down. A great effort. I was really happy with this game. I was really happy with how the Knicks did against the Wizards, honestly. I was really happy with how the Knicks did against the Wizards. I, and we'll see how they do tomorrow, t- tomorrow against the Wizards, or I guess tonight. When this episode drops, you'll be, uh, you'll be able to listen to this. Uh, you can listen to this leading up to that Knicks-Wizards game. Uh, but I had talked to all my friends who are Wizards fans. Um, I have a lot of them. Michael Edgley, Tim Clark, Arun Bhattacharya, Ken, Robbie, all the guys. Like, um, they're all big Wizards fans. And um, I was saying to them, I think this is going to be a split. Honestly, like, I still stand by that. Um, I wasn't just being nice because I was being on their podcast. Uh, I legitimately think that they're, they're going to split. So I think the Wizards are going to win the game. It's going to be played tonight. But um, I was very happy with the Knicks' effort. Julius Randle was great. 37 points. Crushed it. Uh, uh, just Julius Randle again. All-star. Absolute beast. Um, the Knicks also had s- several other players who did pretty well, too. Uh, R.J. Barrett had 21 points. Alec Burks had 20 off the bench. Uh Mitchell Robinson is back. That's good. Um, I know he's kind of still working his way back slowly from the injury, but uh, Mitchell Robinson is back, and um, he did have uh, 16 points. That's pretty good, and 12 rebounds off the bench, 31 minutes off the bench for Mitch. So um, he did well. Quickly had 14 points. Um, Reggie Bullock had 10 points. I mean, like I said, Julius Randle was the star with 37. Um, This was a good bounce-back win. Everybody was feeling good uh, on New York Sports Radio today after that win. I think uh, I was listening to all the shows this morning, and uh, everybody was feeling really good uh, after that Knicks win. So, uh, yeah, uh, that was a good win against the Wizards uh, last night, and uh, we'll see how the game goes. Uh, We'll see how their game goes um, Tonight, uh, I guess you'll be listening to this on Thursday uh, when I release it on Thursday. So uh, we'll see how that game goes. And we'll talk about the Knicks' upcoming schedule when I do my schedule update in the outro uh, in a little bit. But uh, now uh, I'm going to move into the Rangers. Just give me one second to pull up their uh, their schedule and uh, how they've done in their last couple of games. Um, let's see. Let's, let's see. Let's go back to Friday. Uh, they had a, a back-to-back with the Capitals, Achara. Um, it was two very good games, actually, uh, against the Caps. Uh, kind of what I expected, honestly. These two teams play each other very well uh, for the Rangers and the Capitals. In the first game, the Rangers um, took a one nothing lead. Panarin got a goal. Panarin's been great since he came back from his, uh, from, from his, uh, his time away uh, from the team. Uh, it's been good to have Panarin back. I'm really happy to have him back on the team. Um, and uh, he scored a goal. Uh, he's actually doing very well since he came back. Uh, he scored the first goal in this game. And you're like, okay, great. Rangers have a one nothing lead going into the third. What can possibly go wrong? You know what could go wrong? Alex Ovechkin could go wrong. The grade eight. Ovi. Whatever you want to call him. Two goals in the last seven minutes. And the Rangers beat. And the Rangers lose to the Capitals in a difficult loss. Um... 
we were actually talking about this on Sports on the Hill. I'd like to give another shout out to them because I was on them earlier this week talking about this game. Uh, Georgiev was pretty good for the Rangers in this game. Uh, he only had a few shots to stop, but he stopped pretty much all of them, and he was doing a good job at it too. So um, that's you know, goalkeeping's or goaltending's been kind of an issue for the Rangers lately. So um, it was good he played well in this game, but uh, it just wasn't enough. Unfortunately, Ovechkin just did what he does best. I mean, that's what I mean. He's the great eight. I mean, he's he's done that ever since he came into the league. But the next night was a lot better for Rangers fans and um, a lot more fun, if you ask me. Uh, I, I enjoyed that game a lot more. Uh, it was very similar, actually, to the game the night before. Uh, Rangers had a one nothing lead going into the third. Uh, Capitals tie it up. I think it was John Carlson got a goal that tied it up in the third. And uh, you're thinking, okay, you know, here we go again. Uh, another it's probably gonna be another frustrating loss. But then uh, Brendan Dillon, with just a boneheaded play for the Capitals, just a dumb mistake, turning the puck over in uh, a, a terrible spot. And then Mika Zibanejad, who owns the Capitals, owns owns quote slap shot. Um, he um, he, uh, yeah, that's a great movie reference. Um, he, uh, he scored five goals against the Capitals last year, and then he had this great performance against them too. So uh, Mika Zibanejad has always had great, done a great job against the Capitals. And, um, yeah, um, this was a good one to have. They got an empty net goal uh, to make it 3-1. But, you know, empty net goals are kind of lame. Like, empty net goals are stupid. I, I actually... I don't know what they should do with empty net goals, but I feel like they shouldn't count or something. It's just not fair, honestly. It's just not fair. Like it's a totally different type of goal. Like they should do something different, right? They should maybe count for like half a goal or something. Like that would be something that would completely change the hockey world, honestly. But uh, Keith Kincaid, speaking of uh, goalkeep goal goaltenders. Um, I keep saying goalkeepers. I got soccer on the mind. Uh, goaltenders. Uh, Keith Kincaid was really good for the Rangers in this game. Keith Kincaid's actually been pretty good uh, ever since Igor Shosturkin went out with an injury. I think Shosturkin's working his way back from the injury. Um, should be back soon. Um, so we'll see what Kincaid's role is. But he's been doing a good job filling in. Uh, he had 28 saves in this game. Uh, that's a pretty good game for him. And uh, so shout-out to him. He was the second star. And Mika Zibanejad was the first star. Now, Mika Zibanejad has just been an absolute beast lately. Um, I mentioned it on the last episode of Upon for the review with Brian Brennan, but um, the Rangers scored nine goals. But what I don't think I mentioned was that Mika Zibanejad scored three assists, three assists in a row and then three goals in a row. So natural assist hat trick, natural goal hat trick. Mika Zibanejad's been on fire lately. So uh, yeah, I was very happy with um, with him him getting the goal in this game, and uh, I'm glad to see him working his way back. He did have COVID during the off season, so he's working his way back very slowly, and um, it, we'll see if he um, we'll see how how it, if it affects him the rest of the season. But um, it definitely affected the start of his season. He did not get off to a very hot start. But um, he's doing much better now. So um, the Rangers did have one last game on Monday night against the Buffalo Sabres. 
This game was not pretty, honestly. I watched this game. It wasn't that pretty. Um, Buffalo is the worst team in our division by a lot. I think they only have like 16 points or something crazy. They just fired their coach recently. Buffalo is a disaster. I expected the Rangers to absolutely mollywop them and just destroy them. And um, I, I, I think a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, the Capitals destroyed them like 6 nothing or something. I was expecting something like that. But um, the Rangers actually, um, it was a difficult game. But um, I think that, yeah, they had, a three, they had a 3-1 lead. And then Buffalo scored twice to tie it to make it 3-3. Not what you want, uh, to quote Joe Girardi. Uh, not what you want at all. But um, the Rangers did score twi- twice later. Chris Kreider uh, got the go-ahead goal. Um, he had two goals in this game. Uh, the first star was Adam Fox. He had one goal and two assists. And uh, Panarin had another three-assist game in this one. Um, so, yeah, it's not the best win. But, um, I mean, I, I mean, in terms, I mean, win, a win's a win. But, you know, it was kind of an ugly win. It could have been definitely a lot prettier uh, against a bad Buffalo team for sure. Uh, but, hey, a 5-3 win. You'll take it. And then, um, so um, we'll talk about their upcoming schedule. They have a game tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, we'll talk about that in the upcoming schedule. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much how I, I, that's pretty much all I wanted to do for this segment. Uh, I just wanted to talk about how the Knicks and Rangers have done over the last couple of weeks uh, or so. Um, I watched the Yankee spring training a little bit. I don't have too much to say about Yankee spring training. I'll talk a little bit about it in the outro. I've got a little bit to talk about the Giants moves in the outro. So you know what? Instead of just talking about the outro, let's just go into our outro right now. All right, folks, it's time for your favorite part of the show. It's the outro where we just go over all the headlines in the sports world that we may have missed over the last couple of days. We have a lot to get to, so let's just jump right into the outro, starting with, I mentioned it earlier, we have some news about the New York Giants. I like what the Giants have done this offseason, folks. I like what they've done over the last couple of days. I mean, obviously the big one has been getting Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver from the Detroit Lions. I am a big Kenny Galladay fan. I'm really glad they made this move. It's a number one weapon for Daniel Jones that he did not have before him. I mean, I like uh, no offense to Sterling Shepard, no offense to Darius Slayton. They're good receivers, but are they really a true number one? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. So I think getting Kenny Galladay, who I believe is a true number one wide receiver, is a great move for the New York Giants. I'm really fired up about this move. Everybody was fired up. All the Giants players were posting on Twitter and Instagram saying how excited they were that Kenny Galladay was coming to the Giants. Um, So that was obviously a really exciting move as well. But it's not the only move the Giants made. They also signed a cornerback Adore Jackson. Uh, that was an exciting move. There was reports that he was dining with one of the players in Hoboken. Um, so it's good to see that the Giants locked him down. By the way, Kenny Galladay, I think, spent like eight or nine hours in the Giants training facility. They wouldn't let him go. There's a reason he signed them. They wouldn't let him leave the facility. So um, 
Kenny Galladay is a giant. Adoree Jackson is a giant. Kyle Rudolph is also a giant. Um, hit a bit of a snag, honestly, uh, in the last couple of days uh, with his contract. Um, they, they, uh, they were. I think there was something on his physical, and um, they said that um, that they were like they're holding up the contract. But eventually, they did come to they did come to an agreement, and um, they uh, they did sign Kyle Rudolph. And Kyle Rudolph has already spoken positively. He said that um, he um, was talking to Dave Gettleman on the phone, and when he hung up the phone, he turned to his wife and he said, "This is where I need to be." So Kyle Rudolph is a good, he could be like a 1A. Like if you have a 1A and a 1B to Evan Ingram. Now I know Evan Ingram gets a lot of crap because he drops a lot of balls. But um, hey, Evan, he did make the Pro Bowl this year. So um, maybe maybe Evan Ingram isn't that bad after all. But um, yeah, I like the Rudolph signing. I like the Jackson signing. And I love the Galladay signing. Uh, overall, I like the moves the Giants have made. In fact, I'd be willing to go as far as to say, I think the Giants are winning the NFC East. Now, you could say it's a homer pick, but um, I like that. I like what they've done. Now, there's still a lot of time left in this offseason. There's still plenty of moves left to be made. There's still a whole draft process to go. And not to mention, teams like the Washington football team have made good moves. I will, I'm not going to sit here and be like the Washington football team hasn't made good moves. Getting Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually a really good... I actually really like Fitzpatrick for them a lot. And Curtis Samuel is a good wide receiver too. I don't think he's as good as Kenny Galladay. I mean, Peter Rosenberg said on the K show that he thinks that he is, but I don't, I don't really personally think that. Kenny Galladay is a step above Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel is still a nice player. So Washington football team... Is making moves too, but and, and the Cowboys, you know, I think the Cowboys will be all right too next year with Dak back, um, hopefully back at a hundred percent. We'll see how they do. And the Eagles, well, I think they're probably the worst team in the division, probably totally rebuilding. So um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I have to say, very much enjoying what the Giants are doing this off season. Uh, ready for football season already. Honestly, I, I'm ready to get, just get me to football. Well, actually, we've got to get to baseball season first. We've baseball season starting next week. But uh, I am excited for the Giants and the moves that they're making. Uh, all right, on to a little bit of um, a darker um, a darker football-related story. The situation with Deshaun Watson. I didn't mention this on last week's show because I didn't really feel like it was appropriate to mention. But um, now I feel like I have to talk about it, just considering it's just growing out of control at this point. Uh the number of lawsuits against Deshaun Watson has now reached 16. The quarterback's lawyer, Rusty Harden, said in a statement that his law firm has strong evidence showing that one of the lawsuits alleging sexual assault is false and that it calls into question the legitimacy of the other cases as well. Harden added that he believes any allegation that Deshaun forced a woman to commit a sexual act is completely false. So, look... Um, so I'll just read a little bit more of this article. Sorry. Uh, after two more lawsuits were filed late Tuesday afternoon, there are now 16 filed by Houston lawyer, Tony Busby against Watson, alleging sexual assault and inappropriate conduct. 
The 14th lawsuit was filed Monday night and appeared in the Harris County District Clerk's website on Tuesday morning. While number 15 and 16 alleging similar behavior by Watson were filed on Tuesday afternoon. So I'm not going to get too into this. I don't really want to get into this, honestly. Um, you know, I personally don't really think I'm the best person to talk about stuff like this. Like, I just, I don't know if I'm comfortable, honestly, talking about stuff like this. But I will say from a football standpoint, um, I under, I'm, I'm starting to kind of sense something here. I'm starting to kind of sense that Watson knew that this was coming. He knew that maybe these allegations were going to possibly pop up sometime in the near future. And that's why he was requesting a trade out of Houston. I'm starting to notice a connection there between the two. But now, I wonder what happens with his football career. Now, I know that's absolutely nothing compared to what's being alleged here. I don't want to make that seem like that's an important thing here. The main thing is the allegations here. I want to say that that's the main, the main thing to take away here. I mean, these, the allegations are the main thing to take away here. But at the same time, you wonder, you know, with his football career, is he ever, like, is he going to get past this? Now, I know a lot of athletes have had a lot of sexual assault allegations against them and have gotten through it. Most of them actually have somehow gotten through it. But um, we'll see. This is a damning amount of evidence. I know Charlie Ferrillo. I've talked to him a couple of times. He's said that he really does not want Deshaun Watson on the Jets anymore. Um, And so, yeah, I totally understand that. I would honestly, it's not worth the headache. This guy honestly seems like a, like even with, like whether you believe the allegations or not, Deshaun Watson seems like he's turned into an absolute headache at this point. Just not worth, not worth anything. Um, not worth the trouble, and um, honestly, I would just screw. I I wouldn't trade for him. I would, I would just, um, I would just pass. I would just pass on getting uh, Deshaun Watson. Um, all right, so Jameis Winston um, was he went? I can't remember where he was. Where he was on? I think he might have been on the show. Uh, but Jameis Winston is um, the future quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. He's going to be the starting quarterback this year for them. Um, and, um, he talks, uh, I, this is a story. This one goes out to Mike. Uh, this, this one goes out to Mike allegedly. Um, he talked about, um, playing with Drew Brees, uh, for one season. They only played one season together, but he talked about the impact that Drew Brees had on him and is going to have on his career. Uh, here is what Jameis Winston said. Uh, he got a little emotional too. He got a little teary eyed. Uh, he said, being able to have an entire season with Drew Brees was a dream of mine. And for him to put his arm around me and just give me any encouraging words after I saw the resilience, the passion, the way that he went and approached every single day, for that to be a story, I was touched by that. Because he doesn't even know how much he means to me and my family, for real. But I'm not even going to share what he shared with me. I don't even remember. Then after having a chance to play in a playoffs after like winning a playoff game, getting a chance to throw a touchdown in the playoffs. Like I love football. That's all I've ever done my entire life. And someone that I could look up to that I admire that I could touch was my teammate. And I had a chance to serve him like, man, I'm speechless. That really gets me emotional because I really love Drew Brees. 
Like, I don't think he understands. I know my wife do. I know my family do. Y'all don't understand the impact that him and a lot of other quarterbacks had on me as a quarterback growing up in Bessemer, Alabama. Y'all don't understand. A lot of people don't understand the human aspect of him. Like, man, I'm speechless. That really gets me emotional because I love... Hang on. I already read that part. Human aspect of an athlete. But nah, man. Just know I love Drew Brees. For real. Like, I really do. I was just happy I was able to witness what he did. So that was really cool to see. Uh, Michael Edgley was the one who alerted me to this. That's why I dedicated this story to him. Um, I thought it was nice that um, Jameis Winston had some nice words for his you know, mentor, Drew Brees. It's funny how, you know, they went from rivals to teammates. Like, it was nothing. And um, it's crazy to think that he learned a lot. And um, it's cool to see he got emotional. That just goes to show you, like, the impact that he had. And, um, yeah, it was it was just really nice to see. Like, this was really nice to see. And we'll see how Winston does next season. This is a big opportunity for Jameis Winston, obviously. Um he has to. Um, he has to. He has a lot to prove. Obviously, the last time we saw him as a full-time starting quarterback was in Tampa Bay, and I think he threw thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. So he has a lot to prove in his return to his starting quarterback. We'll see how Jameis Winston does in that situation. But I really enjoyed his nice little tribute to Drew Brees. Sorry if I didn't read it properly. Sorry if I was stumbling over my words a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I thought that was a really nice tribute from uh, Jameis Winston to Drew Brees. All right, let's move into some baseball news. Uh, Starting with, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the Yankees spring training broadcasts that have gone over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've mentioned in the past that uh, Michael Kay and John Sterling are going to work together. They did two games together. I believe one was on March 15th. The other was on March 22nd. And I thought they were both great. I thought they were really fun You know, John Sterling and Michael Kay had not worked together in over 20 years. And not to mention, John Sterling hasn't worked on TV in quite some time. And, uh, of course, the setup was remote. He wasn't in Florida commentating the game in person. So um, it was all a little little weird. But um, that part was definitely a little difficult, the remote aspect for sure. But um, it was just like old times, hearing the two of them together. Um, you know, they were such a great duo together for, I think they were together for 10 years, maybe 92 to, or maybe it was 91 to 2001. Um, I know Michael K left when he, um, got the, uh, head job. He got the, the play by play job at the S network. Um, but yeah, um, it was great to hear the two of them together. Uh, Michael K said on his show that, um, when when John John Sterling um, would accidentally turn the volume all the way down to zero at times, and he had trouble hearing Michael K, so uh, that made that they accidentally stepped over each other a couple times. So um, that was um, th- I mean that was definitely difficult. But overall, I really did enjoy the K Sterling broadcast uh, for the Yankee spring training games. It was a nice way to spice up a spring training game. And then um, today, I actually just watched this today. Uh, was the uh, the Michael K show? Um, the three of them, Don uh, Michael K, Don Lagreca, Peter Rosenberg, uh, they did th- two innings together. Uh, or th- I'm sorry, they did three innings together. They did three innings together 
on the Yes Network broadcast of the spring training game. Uh, they did a great job. They raised um, $30,000 for Make-A-Wish Foundation, um, which was great. I was really happy. I actually donated a little bit myself. I was really happy to see that they um, were able to raise that much money um, for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And um, so they got to commentate a couple innings on today's um, Yankees spring training game. And, um, you know, they actually... I'll, I'll say this. So, Michael Kay, you know, did his usual thing. Don LaGreca was great. Like, Don LaGreca did three innings. Or, I'm sorry, he did two and a half innings of play-by-play. And he did a great job. They really wanted him to get a home run call so he could have used his home run call. But, um, unfortunately, he didn't get to call one. Uh, that was kind of a bummer. Uh, the Yankees lost the game 5 nothing. Um yeah, kind of sucked, but um, yeah, uh, whatever. It's a spring training game, and you know Peter Rosenberg. You know he's not really a baseball guy, um, which was kind of was always kind of weird. Um, I like Peter Rosenberg. Peter Rosenberg gets a lot of hate, uh, but I actually really like Peter Rosenberg, and um, I actually thought he did. You know, he started it off by accidentally forgetting to put his headset on, and um, I mean he explained on the show why he forgot to do it, but. Um, Either way, um, it was kind of a bad start for Peter, but I thought he got better. It was a little cringy at times. It was a little step. They were stepping on each other at times because uh, they had the same problem. But overall, I'm really glad they raised all that money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and uh, I'm really glad John Filippelli, the president of the Yes Network, allowed them to do the game uh, after he initially rejected them. Uh, it was pretty fun. It was a pretty funny moment on the show. Um, Filipelli, John Filipelli, the president of the Yes Network, came on the Michael K. Show, and he just straight up rejected them. Uh, but he eventually relented. They raised all that money, and uh, it was good. I was really glad they um, they were able to commentate a couple innings together. So um, hopefully they get to do it again sometime in the future. Aaron Boone, uh, the Yankees manager, uh, said that he has been vaccinated. And um, that's great. I, I love to hear that. I'm really happy for Aaron Boone to be vaccinated. He said he got vaccinated last week. And uh, he said that he's going to encourage all of his players uh, to be vaccinated as soon as possible. I like to hear that. Um, MLB is actually encouraging all their players to get vaccinated as soon as possible. And, uh, of course, upon further review with Brian Brennan, encourages everybody to get vaccinated. As soon as it's your turn, as soon as you don't jump the line, uh, there's some people out there who are jumping the line, don't jump the line. Uh, I'm, di- I'm over here dying to get my vaccine, so don't, don't, be, don't be an asshole and jump the line. Um, yeah, uh, I, I encourage you to get your vaccine when it's your turn. And, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm glad to see MLB is taking these initiatives, and, um, and um, yeah, it's positive to see. Uh, my, my, th- I, my therapist, and by the way, I want to give a shout-out to my therapist, Lorraine. Uh, she's awesome. Um, she, she came out of retirement. Like, she was, she was kind of, it was kind of funny. Like, she, she retired for a little bit, but then she actually just briefly came, she came out of retirement. She uh, pulled a Roger Clemens, but um, that's not part of the outro. But she actually told me, because I, I was talking during my, my session with her to the, uh, the other day about how I'm really looking forward to getting the vaccine and how I'm dying to get the vaccine, how I really want to get the vaccine. She was like, don't become obsessed with the vaccine. Like, she's like, yeah, like, don't be, don't be, like, obsessed. Like, 
just don't think about it as much as like you're thinking about it now is basically what she said so um yeah i'm trying not to think about it as much as i i used to but uh, i am happy to see uh aaron boone get vaccinated i'm happy to see mlb players get vaccinated i'm happy to see mlb encouraging people to see vaccinations and you know what even if you are kind of jumping the line like i know some people who are um it's you know it's good you're getting your vaccine everybody should get vaccinated um so yeah Uh, i want to give a shout out to john boy um i love john boy i love john boy i love jake too um i'm a big fan of what they do uh over at john boy media and uh this week they um they had um they unveiled a gigantic banner uh outside yankee stadium which is really cool promoting their podcast talking yanks uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I love John Boy and Jake, but um, I thought that was um, I thought that was um, just awesome. I, sorry, I'm, I'm looking up the link for uh, what I'm going to talk about next. But I'm just really proud of them. You know, they've come a long way. Um, you know, you look up John Boy's story if you don't know about it. What he's done to get to where he is, and what he and Jake together have done is really remarkable. I really look up to them in a big way. Um, I respect the hell out of John Boy and John Boy Media. And it was really cool to see them get this banner outside of Yankee Stadium all season long. When people hopefully are um, leaving the ballpark, they'll see this gigantic banner and they'll be like, hmm, I'll listen to Talking Yanks. Maybe one day, hopefully, upon further review with Brian Brennan, we'll have a banner outside Yankee Stadium one day. That Maybe that'll be the goal. But um, I wanted to talk about... Um, ESPN's player rankings uh, that just came out this week for the MLB season. Um, I'll give you the top 25. They did the top 100, but the top 25 just came out. Um, so I'll go 25 to 1. Uh, number 25, Bryce Harper, outfielder of the Phillies. Uh, yeah, I kind of think Bryce is a little overrated, so that's about right. Uh, number 24, Aaron Judge. Um, okay. Personally... I'm hoping Aaron Judge proves this wrong. They rank him a little higher next year. Even put him in the top 10. That's what I'm thinking. He's even down from last year. He went down from 15 to 24. Number 23 is Trevor Story from the Colorado Rockies. Um, number 22 is Corey Seager from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number 21 is Mad Max, Max Scherzer. I mentioned that uh, uh, I saw him chug a beer at the Nationals Parade a couple episodes ago. <laughs> Uh, Mad Max is a crazy dude. Uh, I, lo- I, like- I love Max Scherzer. Number 20 is Manny Machado. Uh, number 19 is The Machine, DJ LeMayhew. Uh, second baseman for the Yankees. Um, I-, I agree with that, but I'll remind you that he is the only player to win a batting title in the American League and the National League. And need I also remind you that he is The Machine. All right, so number 18 is Walker Bueller, starting pitcher for the Dodgers. Yeah, Bueller was is really coming on. He's just getting better and better each year. Uh, number 17 is Jose Ramirez, the third baseman for the Cleveland Indians. Um, oh, yeah, ESPN already removed Indians. They, they're not even saying Indians. It's just Cleveland. I'm going to start doing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the times I've called them that. Jose Ramirez from Cleveland is number 17 on this list. Number 16 is Trevor Bauer, starting pitcher for the Dodgers. I think that's a little high. He's also up a big number. He was 88 in 2020, and now he's number 16. 
Plus, I think Trevor Bauer is a little overrated. Like, I, I just think Trevor Bauer is just, you know, crazy. Um, and so, I mean, I, I look, I, I know I encouraged the Mets to get him. And I know I'm kind of being hypocritical because at the time I was like, they should definitely go out and get him. But personally, folks, after hearing about all this crazy nonsense and everything, I kind of think the Mets dodged a bullet with Trevor Bauer. All right, number 15 is Tony Two Bags. Anthony Rendon, third baseman from the Los Angeles Angels, formerly from the Nationals. Uh, number six, 14 is Shane Bieber, starting pitcher from Cleveland. Um, he is uh, the Cy Young winner, um, but I'll be interested to see how he does in a normal season where he's only where he's not just playing teams from the Central Division; he's playing other opponents. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he does there. Alex Bregman is number 13, uh, cheating little punk, and uh, Cody Bellinger is number 12. For the Dodgers, Nolan Arenado is 13, or number 11, I'm sorry, for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Now we're into the top 10. Francisco Lindor is number 10 from the New York Mets, their new shortstop. We'll see how he does. He's very exciting. He's a very exciting acquisition for the Mets. We'll see how he does. This is a big opportunity for him. Number 9, former MVP Christian Yelich from the Milwaukee Brewers. Number 8, Fernando Tatis from the San Diego Padres. Um... He's out. For, it looks like he's going to miss opening day, uh, which sucks because Tatis is such a great player, one of the faces of the game. So um, I'm hoping that uh, he's he's okay. But, um, yeah, uh, Tatis is number eight, and uh, I'm loving Tatis. Uh, he's a great player. Um, number seven is Freddie Freeman, the MVP for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, number six, you know, so here's the controversy, folks. Number six is Jacob DeGrom, the starting pitcher for the New York Mets. Number five is Garrett Cole, starting pitcher for the Yankees. Yeah, that's right, folks. Garrett Cole is ahead of Jacob DeGrom. That's a very controversial pick, if you ask me. I don't know how I feel about that. Even though I'm a Yankee fan, I'm a Yankee fan who loves Garrett Cole, thinks Garrett Cole is a beast, but Jacob DeGrom has won two Cy Youngs. He's won the last two legitimate Cy Young Awards. So, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, Garrett Cole over Jacob DeGrom. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that at number five. Number four is Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, great center fielder for the Braves. Number three is Juan Soto uh, for the Washington. That's right. Sha- hey, listen up, Nationals fans. Uh, ESPN thinks you have the third best player in all of Major League Baseball in Juan Soto. So, shout out to Juan Soto. He is a beast. He absolutely is a monster. Um, I love Juan Soto. I love watching him play. Number two is Mookie Betts. Uh, yeah, Mookie Betts is great. Uh, how do you get a player like Mookie Betts, man? Mookie Betts is, how do you get a player like that? Um, it's very, how do you get a player like that? And, of course, number one is Mike Trout. I mean, we all knew who that was, how that was going to go. I mean, Mike Trout is the best player in, in Major League Baseball for sure. Um, and so, yeah, um, we've got a lot of MLB coverage coming your way. In the next couple of weeks, like I said, I've mentioned that uh, we are going to two episodes next week. Uh, the first episode will be coming out on Monday. Uh, it will be an MLB preview episode with Ethan Winter, friend of the podcast, newly engaged Ethan Winter. This is a long overdue shout out. Congratulations to Ethan and his fiance Becca on getting engaged uh, very recently. Uh, congratulations to them. Um, we'll have Ethan Winter on the podcast on um on monday and um he'll be previewing the season with me 
Uh, Ethan says he's pretty tuned into the rest of Major League Baseball, so that's good. Um, and um, yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll talk about that with Ethan. And then on Friday next week, uh, I'm hoping to do an opening day recap episode with the one and only Charlie Ferullo, the host of ostensibly a sports show. Um, I've been on his podcast twice, but he, I, he has yet to be on upon further review with Brian Brennan. Uh, so it's long overdue for Charlie to be on UFRWBB. So it, I told him we got to get him on. I told him to watch opening day so we can have something. He said, like, I might not watch opening I'm like, dude, dude, of course you're watching opening day. Like, come on, it's opening day. He's like, I'm moving. But, like, come on, man, it's opening. You can take, like, three hours out of your move to to watch opening day. Like, come on, Charlie. But, uh, yeah, hoping to, looking forward to having Charlie on um on next Friday's episode, after we have Ethan Winter on um, next Monday's episode to preview the season, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, the disparity in the weight rooms um, at the men's tournament and the women's NCAA tournament. Um, you look at the men's weight room, and it's like extravagant. It's gorgeous. It's like one of the nicest weight rooms you'll ever possibly see. And then you look at the weight rooms, and there's and you look at the women's weight room in Texas where their NCAA tournament is being held, and uh, there's like one stack of weights, and um, it's just, it was really pathetic to see. I hate TikTok. TikTok is an evil app. Uh, I despise TikTok. If you, think, if you use TikTok, I think less of you. But I will say um, that... <laughs> I, don't, I don't really mean that. But I will say that um, if um, there, was this, there was this one... Um, it was this post from this, this one college basketball player... Uh, posting what the weight room in the women's college basketball tournament looked like, and that sparked like a whole bunch of movement, and they were able to get a new weight room. There was a new weight room installed at the women's NCAA tournament. And I wanted to read a uh, a statement from um, the head coach of Georgia Tech. Uh, her name is uh, Fortnet. I can't remember her first name. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's Neil Fortnet. And... Um, they were, she wrote a letter to the NCAA. So I'm, here is the letter that she wrote. To the NCAA, thank you. Thank you for using the three biggest weeks of your organization's year to expose exactly how you feel about women's basketball. An afterthought. Thank you for showing off the disparities between the men's and women's tournament that are on, on full display in San Antonio. From COVID testing to lack of weight training facilities to game floors that hardly tell anyone that it's the NCAA tournament, and many more. But these are these disparities are just a snapshot of larger, more pervasive issues when it comes to the women's sports and the NCAA. Shipping in a few racks of weights after the fact is not an answer. It's a band-aid and an afterthought. Isn't the NCAA a nonprofit devoted to running championships with student athletes that must be academically eligible to compete in these young in in those championships? Then what uh, in what other nonprofit educational endeavor is it acceptable to treat young women as less valuable finance financial commodity? At what individual university would it be acceptable to give women inferior textbooks and cheaper cafeteria food because of the perceived cash value? 
you get the point of the letter. Um, it goes on like this. It's, 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 you know, it makes a good point. Um, this really brought to light um, a really, you know, terrible issue that, um, you know, the women's tournament is just not treated the same. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very disappointing to see. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad that they, they were able to remedy it, but she's right. It's a bandaid. It's, 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 it's not, it's not going to fix. There is a systematic problem with the NCAA and how women's sports are treated. It's not fair. A lot of women's sports are great. You know, I covered, you know, working at High Point University, um, I covered a lot of women's sports. I covered volleyball. I covered soccer. I covered lacrosse. And they're all great. I covered basketball. They're all great sports. They're a lot of fun. But they definitely don't get the same treatment the men's sports get. And uh, it's definitely disappointing to see. And um, I I really, you know, yes, this letter was right, you know. And I'm sorry. I was actually having a little trouble reading it. Like that, that may, I want to explain myself there a little bit. Uh, I was actually having a little trouble. Um, re- it's the way I have it written in my. I should have just copied and texted, copied and put the text of the letter in my in the outro um, rundown. But honestly, I I used a picture and I was going back and forth and it it wasn't. But you got the basic point of the letter. Um, it's it's really um, it's disappointing for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, the NCAA women's basketball tournament is going on now, and it's a great tournament. I encourage you to watch it. It's, there's a lot going on there too. There's a lot going on. I want to give a shout out to um, once again to my alma mater, the High Point Panthers. Uh, they made the women's basketball tournament. Unfortunately, they lost to UConn. They got crushed, um, ex- as expected. I mean, we kind of saw that coming. Um, but I'm very proud of them. I'm a proud High Point Panther. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to have covered a lot of women's sports. And uh, I hope and pray for a day that one day the NCAA treats them equally uh, on the same par uh, with men's sports. Um, all right, let's go into your NBA, NHL. There's no EPL this weekend. It's an international break. We'll go into your NBA and NHL schedule update. For Thursday through Sunday, starting with the NBA, we've got the big Wizards-Knicks game. Um, I mentioned it in the previous segment, how the Knicks pretty much beat up on the Wizards uh, last night. Uh, I'm hoping for more of the same, but like I said, very difficult to win two in a row, especially against the same opponent. So I'm thinking this could possibly be a split. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this is the one the Wizards win. Um, Trailblazers Heat's also at 7.30. Clippers Spurs is at 8.30. Uh, 76ers Lakers is at 10 o'clock on TNT. Warriors Kings is at 10 o'clock. That's just on regular TV. Friday night, we've got the Nets and the Pistons. Nets on fire lately. Pistons kind of suck, honestly. They're 12.30. That game's at 7 o'clock. Suns and Raptors is at 7.30. Celtics Bucks. Nationally televised, 7.30 on ESPN. Heat Hornets is at 8 o'clock. Trailblazers, by the way, sorry, just one last thing on the Hornets. Get well soon, LaMelo Ball. Um, I heard a report that LaMelo will be reevaluated in four weeks, and I am hoping he can get back soon because I am loving LaMelo Ball. He is a great player. I was devastated to see that he had fractured his hand. Devastated. Absolutely devastated. 
All right. Trailblazers Magics at 8 o'clock. Rockets Timberwolves. Terrible game. Teams have a combined 22 wins. Uh, Rockets have 12. Timberwolves have 10. Uh, 8 o'clock tip on that one. Nuggets Pelicans. 8 o'clock tip. Uh, Pacers Mavericks. 8.30. Grizzlies Jazz at 9. Hawks Warriors is a late game on ESPN. Cavaliers Lakers is at 10.30. Get well soon LeBron too. I hate seeing all these superstars get hurt, man. I like you know, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, LeBron. Everybody's hurt right now. Um, everybody's just going through injury. Clay Thompson. Um, that's not even scratching the surface, honestly. So get well soon, LeBron too. It's, the game is better with LeBron. Like whether you hate LeBron or not, you can admit the game is better with LeBron in it for sure. Knicks Bucks is at eight o'clock on Saturday. We're onto the Saturday portion of the schedule update now. Knicks Bucks on Saturday, hoping it goes better than the last time the Knicks played the Bucks, where they lost by 30. Pistons Wizards is at 8 o'clock on Saturday. Rockets Timberwolves, another terrible. They, again, they have a combined 22 games, wins. Uh, not good. Uh, Spur, Bulls Spurs is at 8.30. Uh, Mavericks Pelicans is at 9. Celtics Thunder is at 9. Grizzlies Jazz is at 9. 76ers Clippers is at 10 on NBA TV. And Cavaliers Kings is at 10. Uh, and then on Sunday, we only have a couple games on Sunday. We've got the Suns and the Hornets at 1 o'clock. The Trailblazers and the Raptors at 7. Hawks versus the Nuggets at 9 on NBA TV. And the Magic versus the Lakers at 10. And then let's get into your NHL schedule. First on Thursday... Uh, we've got the Rangers playing the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, let's go Rangers. Um, hoping to keep the momentum. Obviously, uh, like I said, that bu- that Buffalo game wasn't too impressive. But uh, hoping to get another win uh, against the Flyers uh, like we did against them last week, 9 nothing. So uh, hoping for more success tomorrow night. Uh, Islanders-Bruins is also tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Devils-Capitals at 7 o'clock. Hurricanes Blue Jackets is at 7 o'clock. Maple Leafs Senators is at 7 o'clock. Sabres Penguins at 7 o'clock. Panthers Blackhawks is at 8. Red Wings Predators is at 8. Blues Wild is at 8. Lightning Stars is at 8.30. Golden Knights Avalanche is at 9 uh, on Thursday. And then on Friday, we've got the Devils and the Capitals again. 7 o'clock puck drop. Um... Oilers and the Canadians postponed. Like I said, uh, the Canada division is dealing with COVID for the first time. Uh, we're finally seeing them get hit. Uh, this is their first postponed game. Um, so the Oilers and Canadians game was postponed on Friday night. Ducks Blues is at 8 o'clock. Jets Flames is at 10 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. And Sharks Coyotes is at 10 o'clock on, I think it's just on local TV. On Saturday, we've got a 1 o'clock Rangers-Flyers game again. So we'll see how the Thursday game goes, and we'll see who wins the Saturday game. Ducks-Blues is already postponed. I don't know why. Uh, Well, probably COVID, honestly. Sabres-Bruins is at 1 o'clock. Blue Jackets-Red Wings is at 3 o'clock. Golden Knights-Avalanche is at 3 o'clock. Lightnings-Hurricanes is at 7 o'clock. Oilers-Maple Leafs is at 7 o'clock. Islanders-Penguins on ESPN+. Plus. At seven o'clock, Predators Blackhawks is at eight o'clock, Panthers Stars is at eight o'clock, Jets Flames ten o'clock, and Sharks Coyotes is at ten o'clock. And then on Sunday, finally, we've got a twelve o'clock uh, NBC nationally televised 
Rangers Capitals showdown. Um, you know, I mentioned in the last segment how the last two games went against the Capitals. Rangers play the Capitals really well. So I'm hoping that continues in this game uh, on Sunday. I think it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Blue Jackets, Red Wings at 3 o'clock. Ducks, Blues is at 5 o'clock. Uh, Lightning Hurricanes is at 5 o'clock. Devils Bruins at 5.30 on NBC Sports Network. Panthers Stars is at 6 o'clock. Senators Canadians was postponed. So, again, another Canadian game getting affected by uh, COVID. I guess it's the Montreal Canadiens. The theme seems to be the Montreal Canadiens. So they must be the ones getting the COVID. Predators Blackhawks is at 8 o'clock on uh, Saturday. On I'm sorry, Sunday night. And that is your NBA and NHL schedule update. Like I said, there's no EPL this weekend. We are at the international break. Uh, The USA, Team USA, uh, is playing at 1 o'clock today against Jamaica. If you want to check that out. Um, Hoping we do well there. I I think we have most of our good players. So, like, hoping we do pretty well against Jamaica. Uh, First real international game we've had in a while. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, no, um, no EPL soccer this week. Uh, I just saw the MLS schedule came out, so we're getting closer and closer to the MLS season. Uh, looking forward to that as well as you guys know, I, I like the MLS a little bit. So, um, looking forward to that coming back as well. Uh, unfortunately, before we wrap up today's episode, I have two condolences I have to, um, give out, um, today. Um, I have to give a condolences to, uh, the family of Elgin Baylor. Um, it's just, uh, terrible to see him dead. Um, I believe he passed away at age 86. Um, very sad. Um, a hall of famer, one of the best to ever do it. Um, he scored 61 points in an NBA playoff game. Elgin Baylor is one of the absolute best. And, um, I want to hang on. Give me one second. I want to find, um, the quote that Kevin Durant posted to his Instagram page. Because um, you guys aren't going to believe this. This is going to make you blow your mind about Elgin Baylor. Uh, give me one second. I just got to go to KD's Instagram page. Durant. Oh, yeah. He's not Kevin Durant. He's Easy Money Sniper is his, is his Instagram page. That's why it was tough to find him at first. All right. So here's what he posted. to. Here's what Kevin Durant posted to Instagram yesterday. Remind, he posted it was a text combo. He doesn't say who it's between, but it says, Reminder, Elgin Baylor only played 48 games in 1961 because he was in the Army and he could only play on the weekends and he averaged 39-9. and nine. That's my favorite NBA fact. And KD said, God-level shit, LOL, rest in peace. Yeah, man, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor, basketball Hall of Famer, uh, one of the best to ever do it. Um, a legend, and um, I was very sad to see him pass. Uh, that is an incredible stat, um, and just goes to show you how great of a player he was. So uh, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. And um, unfortunately, I have to say another just horrible mass shooting in this country, uh, this time in Boulder, Colorado, which leaves 10 people dead, and it's barely even made the news this week. People barely blink. It's it's like it's like it barely even happened because we're just numb to it now. We're just used to mass shootings. It's awful. It makes me sick. It really makes me sad, honestly. It really makes me upset. But um I just offer my condolences to all the families 
10 people dead, including a cop. Um, I believe they, according to the article I'm reading, a suspect is in custody. So that's good. But um, this just breaks my heart. Uh, all these mass shootings just absolutely break my heart. We talked about the one last week the, in Atlanta. And now we have this one too. And it's just like they happen all the time. And we're numb to them now. It's just like they happen so frequently that like it barely happen. It happens and people barely even blink. It's awful. This is America, I guess. Anyway, I'll get off my um, I'll get off my um, my soapbox, I guess. Unfortunately, and just say once again, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor and um, uh, victims of the Boulder shooting. Um, and my condolences to your families, all of your families. And uh, we'll end the episode there. And I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UFRWBB. Follow me personally on Twitter at bbrian1991. Like I said, next two episodes are going to be great. We have the baseball preview episode with the newly engaged Ethan Winter. See, to make up for the fact that I hadn't shouted it out yet, I shouted it out twice. He's a newly engaged man, Ethan Winter. The next episode with him is going to be great. And then after that, we've got the uh, opening day recap next Friday with Charlie Ferrillo. So stay tuned for that. And until then, have a good one, folks. I'll talk to you next time.